0: Good afternoon, and uh, welcome to another episode of uh, A Small Worship with a Templar Knight. Wonderful Sunday here. Um, Some of this music we have today is uh, provided by joystock.com. Let's all bow our heads in prayer on this beautiful Sunday. Father, I thank you for this fantastic new day. I thank you that I come with your people to sing your praises and to declare your goodness. Lord, the Bible says that if we come near to you, you will come near to us. Help all of us who worship you today to know again the present reality of the living God. May we go deeper with you, each one of us, and together as a church. Give us your light for our journey, your challenge to our perceptions, and your presence to renew us. Bring your fire to our hearts as we praise you. Give your light to our minds as we hear your word. Lord, make us sensitive to your voice. May we sense your presence with us. Show us you're afresh in Jesus Christ. Inspire our prayers with your power as we receive again the emblems of your sacrifice, the bread and the wine, and may we be firmly reminded once more of the cost of our salvation. Then, Lord, as we draw near to the end of our time together, May we put ourselves afresh in your disposal, making ourselves available to you again so that you can use us just how, when, and where you want to. When we have finished our service, as we put it, may our service really begin as we go back into your world, equipped to show Christ to a needy world. We ask all these prayers in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, reading from uh, the Gospel of St. John, John uh, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which uh, is the Sea of Tiberis, or Tiberus, some people call it. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain. There he sat with his disciples in that Passover. A feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw the great company come unto him, he saith to, unto Philip, Whence he shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them uh, may take a little. Once of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus says, Make the men sit down now. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in the number of about five thousand, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, gather up the fragments of the remain that nothing be lost. Therefore, they they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them upon unto them they had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of the truth and that a prophet that should come into the world. Now let's bow our heads and, uh, and hear God's call for you to worship through his word. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Listen to these words of praise to God. Be joyful in the Lord all you lands be joyful in the word and the lord all you lands serve the lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song be sure that the lord is god it is he that made us and not we ourselves we are His people and the sheep of his pasture Oh, go, go go your way into the gates that with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and speak good of his name, for the Lord is gracious. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures from generation to generation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hear God's law and his will for your life. And God spoke of all these things, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for i the lord your god am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the, on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments you shall not take the name or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything is that is your neighbor's. Let's bow your heads and confess your sins to God. O Father, receive again the thing which you have created. O Son, receive the thing which you have governed. O Holy Spirit, fetch the thing which is so bountiful and preserved. Three persons and One and very God, I entreat you, remember not my offenses forever. For I cry, Lord God and Father, mercy. Lord God, Son, mercy. Lord God, Holy Spirit, have mercy. Amen. I receive these words of God uh, of comfort, receive these words of comfort from God. but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. for neither circumstances or circumcisions counts for anything, nor uncircumcisions, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Confess what you believe about the Christian faith, the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the father and he shall come again with the glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end and i believe in the holy spirit the lord and giver of life who proceeds from the father and the son who with the father and son together is worshiped and glorified who spoke by the prophets and i believe in one holy catholic and apostolic church i acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to God the Spirit, every three and every one. As it was in the beginning, now and evermore shall be. Amen. We'll move on to our catechism lessons for the day. Does the outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No, not at all. Only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanses from all our sins. When then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the water of rebirth and the washing away of sin? God has good reasons for these words. To begin with, he wants us to... uh, Teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ take away our sins just as water removes dirt from your body. But more importantly, he wants uh, to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are truly washed of our sins spiritually as our bodies are washed with uh, water physically. Should infants also be baptized? <clears throat> yes, infants should be. Infants as well as adults are included in God's covenant. And people. And they, uh, no less than adults, are promised deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith. Therefore, by baptism, the sign of the covenant, they too should be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. This was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced by the New Testament by baptism by water, holy water. As you listen to these words, ask God to enlighten your mind and heart. Listen to the prayer. Grant, Almighty God, that as you shine on us by your word, we may not be blind at midday nor willfully seek darkness and thus lull our minds asleep, but May we be roused daily by your words, and may we stir up ourselves more and more to fear your name, and thus present ourselves in all our pursuits as a sacrifice to you, that you may peaceably rule and perpetually dwell in us until you gather us to your celestial habitation, where there is reserved for us an eternal test and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to talk today, talk today about, uh, the best man in the old Testament. Who was that? Joseph. Now, when I was a boy, Horatio Agler was one of my favorite authors, um, when I did read and there's a lot of comic books I read too, and a lot of other things that I've read too. But whenever I did read it, and that would that would he was probably one of my favorite authors. in some of in his books, he always told about some poor boy, if I remember correctly, who was honest and dedicated and hardworking. Many troubles came to the boy, but uh, because of his many fine traits or character, he won out and became rich and happy and useful. But the true story in God's word about Joseph is far superior to all of Agler's stories. And the greatest thing about the story of Joseph is that he's not fictional, but pure truth. He went down as low as man could go, but he came back to as high a position as any man could rise. From a lowly dungeon, he rose up to be the prime minister of Egypt, the greatest country of his time. He went from suffering to success, from rags to riches, from prison to a palace, from indignity to influence, from a forgotten man to a man of fame, from slavery to sainthood. All this came about because he was faithful to God. He loved Him and feared Him and obeyed Him. And as it is always the case, God rewarded him for it. Let's follow Joseph's career now. We'll talk a little bit more about Joseph and his career. Uh, Remember that Joseph, Joseph's father was Jacob. He worked seven years for Rachel, and that Leah, or Leah, was given to him instead. uh, Then, uh, in order to get married, Rachel, he had uh, to promise to work seven more years for her father. This means that he gave fourteen years of hard labor to get his beloved Rachel. For many years, God blessed Leah with children, but Rachel was childless. Then God heard her supplication, and Joseph was born to Rachel and Jacob. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, as he was tactlessly tactlessly showed uh, his favoritism. This was a great mistake, but parents still make this mistake today. When one child is shown favoritism, the other child, children are hurt by it. And sometimes their characters become warped because of it. Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors. Probably remember seeing this and hearing about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in this, and many other ways, Jacob showed his favoritism. Joseph was a dreamer, and every great man has his first, of all, been a dreamer. Every man who is to a place dreamt. Before a man plans and acts, he dreams. He dreams his dreams. Joseph had two special dreams, and he was foolish enough to make them known to his brothers. He said, I dreamed that we were binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaf stood up, and all the other sheaves bowed down to mine. Then he told the... Told him the second, his second dream of how the sun and the moon and the stars made uh, obeisance to him, clearly implying that these heavenly bodies represented his father and mother and eleven brothers bowing down before him. This didn't make him popular with his brothers. In fact, they hated him. But his father kept these things in his heart. Of course, the brothers envied him and desired. Desire to rose in their hearts to get rid of them. There came a day when Joseph's brothers were tending their flocks in Shechem. And so Jacob said to Joseph, uh, Go see how your brothers are faring and bring back your report to me. He took his journey. When his brothers saw him coming with a multi-colored coat waving in the wind, They said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Let's kill him. They grabbed him and were about to slay him when Reuben said, Let's not kill him. Let's throw him into a pit. This they agreed to do. They did that. But just then, when they saw this cloud of dust, and soon they saw a group of slave traders headed towards Judah, Judah said, There's no profit in leaving him in the pit. And besides, he's his own flesh and blood. Let's sell him to these, uh, to these traders heading into Egypt. So Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver and carried into Egypt. Can you imagine his feeling as they strapped him to a camel? Being kidnapped in, in a way? Sold off as a slave? Surely he felt forsaken. Here he was, far from home with no way to communicate, none, They didn't have phones back then, he had no way to communicate with his father or his family, no longer a favorite son but a common slave being taken into another country. A wave of homesickness and despair swept over him. But even though he was forsaken by man, he knew there was one who would never forsake him. He knew that God was with him. His old father had had some great experiences with God, and he had instilled a great faith in his son. Soon, the brothers were back home. Since Joseph was not with them, they had to make up some sort of story to tell their father. So they sprinkled blood on Joseph's beautiful coat and took it to Jacob. Isn't this Joseph's coat, they said? "We found it in the wilderness. Yes, sobbed the broken hearted father. An evil beast must have killed him. While he wept, his hypocritical sons tried to comfort him. But his grief was so overwhelming that he said, I'll go down to my grave mourning for him. The chief point here is that the sons lied to their unsuspecting father, and when a person tells one lie, other lies often must be told as to cover up. As we follow the lives of these brothers, we find them often getting into more trouble. Oh, what a tangled web we weave! When we first Practice to deceive, but we see that uh, old Jacob. The chickens were coming home to roost when, when he saw a young man, he was uh, a scheming, conniving, cheating fellow. He lied to his father to obtain the blessings that rightfully belonged to his brother Esau. He schemed against Esau to receive his birthright. Now, after the years have gone by, his sons are deceiving him as he did his father. We follow Joseph down into Egypt now. uh, It's a bright morning in Pharaoh's capital as we stand uh, at the slave market. Uh, Potiphar, the captain of the guard, comes to the market looking for a likely slave to serve him. As he passes down the line, he sees slaves from the north and from the south, from the east and the west, and he sees a fine-looking young man, Joseph. end, he's so delighted with his his parents. In a few minutes, a bargain is struck, and Joseph is led away by his new master. In Potiphar's house, Joseph is put to work. He sets about to do his best, and in a short time, Potiphar is so pleased with him that he makes Joseph his overseer. I believe that uh, God blesses those who care for his service. He blessed the Widow who cared for Elijah. He blessed the family of Bethany that uh, entertained Jesus. He blessed Lydia who cared for Paul and and Silas. Those are some people who bring a curse on a house, but God's person always brings a blessing. However, Satan uh, enters every Eden. So he came to tempt Joseph, not in the form of a serpent, but in the form of a beautiful woman. Mrs. Potiphar, temptations come to everyone, and all the parents and friends in the world cannot build a high a wall high enough uh, to keep them out. But parents are to teach their children to resist Satan and trust the Lord for strength to overcome. Seemingly, Jacob had done just this for Joseph. Joseph was a young man full of the vigor of youth. He was not a statue, not a mummy. He was a human. And there was a great appeal in this temptation. It seems a good thing for him to yield to this woman's temptation to him. He would gain favor if he did yield and would feel the revenge of a scorned woman if he resisted. But he strongly resisted. He strongly resisted that temptation. What held him back from sin? That's what held him back from sin. How did he overcome it? It was not because he was afraid of Potiphar. It was not because he was afraid this would ruin his career. It was not because he despised these beautiful temptress. He resisted the temptation because he feared God and would not do evil in his sight. Joseph won the battle because he'd learned to say the hardest word in the English language, or any language. The little word, two-letter word, no. Joseph had something more valuable than a coat of many colors, something more valuable than his freedom, something more valuable than gold or silver. He had been taught to love and fear of God, love and fear God. He could see the chasm between the right and wrong. He had the same type of godliness in Egypt that he had back in Hebron. What keeps us from sinning? It is our love for Christ and our fear of God. When the tempter comes, we would say, I belong to God, he sees all that I do. I must not sin in his sight, and I won't do it because I love and fear for him. David had the same kind of temptation that Joseph had, but for the moment he forgot God and embraced sin, and he went down to his grave, paying for it in sorrow and suffering and trouble. Joseph fought off the temptation and the power of God, and blessings followed him all the way. The way of the transgressor is hard. Proverbs chapter 13, uh, verse 15. Joseph overcame that temptation, but he had to suffer for his stand. Potiphar's wife lied about him and accused him of an immoral attack, so Joseph was thrown into jail. God gives us people who will say, "I'll stand for the right, whatever it costs." Whatever it costs me, as one great American said, "I would rather be right than president." Joseph had been faithful to God, in righteousness and for. a the time, time being, all he got uh, for it was prison cell. Some people say, I've tried to live a good life, and I've got it. All I got was a bunch of bad breaks. I might as well have gone ahead and enjoyed the pleasures of sin. But Joseph had more godliness and more sense than that. His spirit was not broken. He set himself to work hard, and soon he was given in charge of the prison. You can't keep a good man down. Now the chief butler and the chief baker, two servants of the king, happened to be in prison with Joseph at the same time. These two men told Joseph one morning of the dreams they had 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 the night before. And Joseph interpreted these two dreams as God gave him the wisdom to do so. The butler said, I saw a vine with three branches on it, and I took the grapes on these branches and pressed them into Pharaoh's land. Joseph said, this means that in three days you will be released from prison and restored to your former position. Please remember me then and mention it to uh, the Pharaoh. I-, I have done no wrong, I and I want to be set free. Then the baker told him his dream. I saw that I had three baskets on my head. The top basket was full of food prepared for the Pharaoh. Then I saw the birds fly down and, and eat the food in the top of the basket. Joseph said, this means that in three days, the king will lift your head from off of you and hang it on a tree, then the birds will eat your flesh. And Joseph's interpretation was true. In three days' time, the baker lost his life, but the butler was released and restored to the king's service. However, the butler forgot his promise to Joseph. He didn't intervene on his behalf or beseech the king to uh, set him free. For two more years, Joseph languished uh, in that prison and uh, a forgotten man. Oh, we must not forget others and their needs, especially those who have been a blessing to us. We shouldn't forget that. Uh, One night the king uh, had two dreams. In one dream he saw seven fat cows feeding in a meadow. Then he saw seven lean cows come up and devour the fat cows. In the other dream, he uh, saw seven full ears of grain and then seven blighted ears of grain come up and devour the seven good ears. These dreams disturbed him, so he called the magicians and wise men, but they could not interpret those dreams. Then the butler awoke. He said, I remember my faults two years ago. There was a young man in prison. Um, he was there with me, and uh, he interpreted one of my dreams. He was a very bright young Hebrew, and his interpretations of my dreams came true. Maybe he can interpretate your dreams, Your Majesty. So the king immediately sent for Joseph and uh, told him, and he told him about his dreams. Joseph said, "God is speaking to you through these dreams. The seven fat cows are seven good years, and the seven full ears represent seven good years. But the lean cows are blighted." The years mean uh, seven years of famine that uh, will follow. My advice to you is to select some wise men to oversee the matter of collecting food during the seven good years and storing it up to save the people during the years of of famine. The interpretation pleased Pharaoh so much that he said to his servants, this man has the spirit of God in him. Where can we find a man better suited for this job? So, at that point, he made Joseph his prime minister and set him all over all the land, making him the man next to the king in all of Egypt. I can see Joseph riding down the street in the finest chariot drawn by spirited horses with the people bowing before him and applauding him. And, and I asked them, uh, who is this man who is being so highly honored? <clears throat> the answer comes back. This is Joseph the greatest and highest man in the kingdom, next to the king. He is the savior of our country and we love him and respect him. And all though, all through the seven years of plenty, Joseph worked hard directing the work of storing food to tide the people over during the famine. He stood adversity. Well, when it came, putting all of the trust in God and now in prosperity, we know that he is still humble, a humble father of the Lord depending on him for guidance and help. It was often harder to stand through prosperity than adversity. Prosperity sometimes makes people forget God. They take credit for all they have become. They say, I am rich. And it's because of my brain, my brawn, and my genius. Is it? But prosperity did not ruin Joseph. He was as close to God when he was uh, a prime minister as he was when he was in prison. Prosperity often makes people hard. Not so with Joseph. Not at all. The more he prospered, the more his heart enlarged. Prosperity often makes people forget their old friends and loved ones. Not so with Joseph. Often the palace of the Nile, the palm trees, the pyramids, and the temples faded from his view, and he saw instead the black tents of his father, the oaks of uh, Mamre, the mountains of Hebron, and he mused himself. I wonder if my father was alive, and I wonder how it is with Benjamin, my brother, and, and back home Jacob had not forgotten either. Did my sons deceive me, he wondered? Is Joseph really dead? Then when the other sons were out in the field, he would go to the old black chest and take from it a faded garment, Joseph's coat of many colors. And holding it close to his heart, he sobs. His sobs would shake his fame as he murmured, Oh, Joseph, my son, my beloved Rachel's firstborn. The years of plenty soon uh, were over, and famine was in the land. Joseph was greater and more popular than ever. Then Jacob, feeling the pinch of the famine in Canaan, sent his sons into Egypt to buy food. After putting these brothers to several tests, Joseph stood before them and announced, I am Joseph. The brothers, remembering their sin against him, trembled with fear. Here was a man of great power, the one they had hated and sold into slavery. Imagine that. They were afraid that Joseph would wreak, wreak vengeance upon them and wipe them off the face of the earth. But Joseph was a better man than that. He threw his arms around them. He forgave them freely and gave them the best home in Egypt. Soon the sons went home and and brought old Jacob to Egypt, where he had such a happy reunion with Joseph, his favorite son, that he said, I am ready to die. I have seen thy face. Joseph, in dealing with his brothers, showed the true Christian spirit. It was not the spirit of resistance to evil, though every Christian should have that. Not the spirit of prayer, though every Christian should have that. Not the spirit of charity and kindness, though every Christian should have that. But he showed the true spirit of Christianity, and that is the spirit of loving forgiveness. Like Joseph, uh, we should gladly forgive those who despitefully use us. This is one of the great tests of Christianity. Can you forgive and love those who mistreat you? When they were killing Christ, he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There are those who are going to mistreat us and hurt us, but we must learn to love them in Christ and forgive them. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew, chapter 6, verse 15. If ye forgive not mend their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. At last, Joseph's great life came to an end. On his deathbed, he said to his people, "You will not stay in Egypt. One day God will visit you and take you home to the promised land. And when you go, take my bones with you and bury me there in the land God swore to Abraham. He swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they did not bury him in Egypt, but embalmed him in that wonderful Egyptian manner and left him in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 26. And I am sure that every time they looked at that coffin, they remembered his prophecy that someday God would take them back to Canaan. We are not always going to remain in Egypt this old world with all of of its sins and sadness, but Canaan. Our true home awaits us out yonder where we'll be forever with the Lord. So look up, my brothers and my sisters, look up. There is a blessed, better land awaiting us. This word sums it all up for Joseph's life. As a boy at home, he was faithful. In Potiphar's palace, he was faithful. In the dungeon, he was faithful. In Pharaoh's court, he was faithful. He was faithful in years of plenty and in the lean years. He was faithful when he met his brothers and when his father came to Egypt. All along the way, he was faithful to God and to righteous living, and God rewarded him for it. After all is said and done, it is our faithfulness to God that counts. One day God looked down on Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am very well pleased. In a lesser manner, I am sure he could say that about Joseph, who was surely the most Christ-like man in the Old Testament. In the hills of Scotland, a wealthy woman uh, bought an old castle and spent thousands of dollars remodeling it. In time, the old castle became a thing of beauty. She gave a house uh, party for some friends, uh, among whom was the great artist, Sir Edward Edward Henry Lancer, or Landseer. Um, one night at dinner, the butler dropped a bottle of colored soda water and it exploded, splashing the water on an expensive wallpaper and apparently ruined it. The lady was heartbroken about it. The next morning when the others went out hunting, Sir Lancer stayed behind. He got out his brushes and paints and began to work on the wall where the ugly spot had uh, been made. Taking this spot as a background, he painted a beautiful picture of a stag at bay. One of the most famous endeavors uh, around. Um, When the lady came home, she was absolutely overwhelmed by the beauty of it. He had taken an ugly blot and made it made of it a lovely thing. Oh, that would uh, all lift our hearts to God and say, "Dear Lord, take my life, and all of its blots and stains and sins. I put in there. I put in Thy hands. Make it a good and beautiful and useful for Thy glory." Let's bow our heads and pray. Restore my soul, O God. There are green pastures around me for which my eye has no lens. There are quiet waters beside me for which my ear has no cord. Restore my soul. The path on uh, which I go is already the path of your righteousness. Open my eyes that I may behold behold its windows. The place I call dreadful is even now the house of the Lord. The heavens shall cease to hide you when you have restored my soul. May I be content to know that your goodness and mercy shall follow me without waiting to see them in advance of me. Amen. Please bow your heads, uh, uh, keep your heads down, and, and, and pray your own personal prayers. Pray about the church. Pray for the world. Pray for the United States. Pray for all these Christians that are being persecuted throughout the world, throughout the world, even in the United States. Sorry about that. <clears throat> in closing, let's pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power. And the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to have uh, say one more prayer. And then, as we talked about Joseph and his family taking him into slavery, I would uh, think about our families and, uh, and our loved ones and how we are with them. Lord, you understand all about families, the ups and downs of life, the hustle and the bustle, the good times, the not so good times. Father, I thank you for my family, for each member of it, and my family of Templar Knights and Templars, my marriage partner, and my children. Thank you for the variety you give us in our family for our different characters, our individual strength and weaknesses for some who are quiet and some who are louder. May we all cope with one another and grow closer to one another and close to you, Lord. Bless the times we are together as a family. May they be happy and secure times, times of fun, joy and laughter, times of loving, caring and sharing. Be with us in the not so good times, times we find difficult, we need to work harder at all living under the same roof. Give us all the strength and perseverance to pull together in the same direction. May our life together as a family develop as we all all get older. May our care and love for one another deepen and expand. May we continue to grow in the warmth and affection we have for one another. May all those who are members of my family and your family, Come to know you personally and follow you may the bonds of trust and love go deep so that we are as a family what we are as a family may be passed on to future generations in christ's name christ's name i pray amen Thank you for joining me here today on uh, A Small Worship with the Templar Knight. Uh, The music provided today was uh, from joystock.com. Divinity, hoping, awakening. May all of you have a wonderful Sunday. Keep God close
1: to your hearts and be faithful. Have a great day.